0: Sorry, is there background noise, or is this my uh, microphone that's not
1: Yeah, there is some background (laughs) noise. I'm trying to find out where it comes
0: from. I I think it's gone now. I think it's all good. Yeah, I think it's good now. Great. Uh, Is it all right if I share my screen? Yes, please. Thank you. It's good to see everyone this morning. Okay, so you have seen that the title it is no surprise, is the hospitality of grace. In light of the conversation of Pastor Ben uh, from last week, I wanted to continue to reflect with all of you this morning on the essence of community. Adding to Pastor Ben's message, let us imagine what the active participation of hospitality looks like, particularly in community. Specifically, we will consider three questions in the framework of the biblical narrative we read of in Genesis 18. Thank you once again, Connor. What And the questions are, what does hospitality mean? What does hospitality look like? And finally, what do we gain from giving hospitality both to friends and strangers? Through looking at the story of the three visitors whom Abraham and Sarah entertained, We will observe the actions and attitudes of the couple, Abraham and Sarah, as they prepared a feast and welcomed these foreigners, strangers, and the triune that has been considered, the theophany, the appearance of the Trinity in the Old Testament. In the first half of today's conversation, we will uh, answer the first of the two questions. What does hospitality mean and what does it look like through the story? And then after we've dissected Genesis, we're going to turn to Ephesians, which Connor also read this morning. And the Ephesians passage will allow us to respond to the last question. What do we gain, or perhaps what have we already gained from giving hospitality both to friends and strangers? But before we commit to these grand plans, let us continue our morning in prayer by stilling our minds, calming our hearts, and humbling our spirits through prayer. Please bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we acknowledge you to be all-present and all-powerful in our life. We believe that the Spirit dwells within each of us and allows us to communicate through a common language, of love towards one another and we remember the redemption that we received through your son christ we invite you heavenly father into the conversation we are about to have though the message has been uh, prepared and perhaps generalized to fit each listener here this morning i pray that you would touch our hearts individually, to see things in the text, to hear things in the word, and to be moved by the spirit, to do likewise, to show hospitality to those whom we might not know, or perhaps those who are familiar to us because of our bloodline. We thank you, Father, for the provisions that you have granted us and for the grace that is abundant may we reflect on it as we listen in your powerful name i pray amen okay. oh. <laughs> so the first step of this morning is going to just be simply observation observing this passage the lord appeared to abraham near the great trees of Mamre, while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. It is clear from this first few verses uh, that Abraham is not expecting anybody on this uh, sunny day, Uh, somewhere in the Middle East. He is sitting at the entrance of his tent, watching the day go by. All of a sudden, the Lord appears to Abraham. Time and space no longer make any sense. Abraham looks up, and suddenly there are three men standing not far from where he sits, under the shade of the great trees. In the ESV, I like how it's written, when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth. The proximity of the guests, how close they were, the tent's entrance, so, you know, Abraham's uh, residence, and the time of day, none of that matters. Abraham recognizes the three guests and immediately runs over. Through this, we see that Abraham, though he was not expecting visitors, is immediately responsive. What does that mean to us? Oftentimes, opportunities to show hospitality are not preceded by an invitation. Sometimes we don't know a guest is coming. Through Abraham's example, we observe his desire to honor his guests by meeting them where they are, not where he wanted them to be. now let's pause and go back to the first question what does hospitality mean hospitality literally means the friendly and generous reception and entertainment of guests visitors or strangers notice and this is a theme that we're going to continue on hospitality is not defined by a setting by a location it is a friendly and generous reception and according to our friend wikipedia hospitality is a relationship of goodwill in the reception and entertainments of guests and visitors and strangers. And the biblical narrative is full of that relationship of hospitality and that it, is, it cultivates a relationship of equality as one gives, as the host gives, the guest receives. And as the guest gives to the host the time, the communication, The gifts that come with hospitality, so the host receives. It is a relationship of equals. And for turning now to the narrative in Genesis 18, when Abraham runs over and meets the three persons, he stands in equality with them. And if we follow the possibility that in that moment Abraham in fact stood in the presence of the Trinity our imagination of the Trinity becomes transformed. I don't know if many of you are aware or have come across the Trinity, an icon from the 15th century by the Russian artist uh, Andrei Rublev. When he created this icon based on Genesis 18, he decided to vertically align his work to fit three persons, you see them in front of you, sitting in a circle at the table, We see in the background Abraham's house, a tree, and and Mount Moriah. From where we are as the observers this morning, we find ourselves in perfect alignment with the empty spot at the table. I will point with my cursor right here. That open spot is an invitation. It is an invitation to join the communion of the Trinity. Although there is no movement or action, The invitation is one of warmness because of the colors that were chosen, and acceptance. I don't want to spend all morning defining the doctrine of the Trinity, and in no way do I claim to understand it. But what we do understand as human beings is the relationship component. We don't need to define the Trinity, how it works. But let us consider the invitation that stands. And what does that state about the essence of the Trinity? The Trinity invites all of us to participate in communion, as I have already said. And this relationship tie is the foremost component of hospitality. As Father Abraham, who had many sons and daughters, we too welcome the Trinity into a relationship through the act of hospitality we will consider the practical implications very soon. In sharing with others, we share with the Trinity. That in and it of itself transforms how, what our intentions are behind giving to others. Let's return to Genesis 18. He said, Abraham said, If I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under the tree. Let me get you something to eat, so you can be refreshed and then go on your way, now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered. Do as you say. And in this passage, this is specifically where biblical scholars look at the interchange of the pronoun usage and say that this is perhaps the Trinity, that it is both one and three in one, acting as one. And this is uh, the appearance of the Trinity in the First Testament, perhaps the only appearance other than the transfiguration uh, that we see in the Gospels uh, through the life of Christ. What is particularly striking, though, and the human part of it that we can make claims about, are Abraham's actions. They are culturally appropriate. And what's even more interesting, y'all, is that it's not just culturally appropriate. It is transcultural and contemporary. That means it applies to our the culture that we live in today, and it applies to the world that we live in today. Except, I mean, the feet washing, yes, that sounds a little bit like out of our culture, but, I mean, let's parallel that to what we experience on a daily basis. As hosts, uh, when we invite someone who has traveled from afar off, are we going to tell them not to shower and to just kind of, you know, spend a, a few days with us without a shower? No, we invite them to partake in what our house, our place of residence has to, residence has to offer. So what Abraham does is what all of us must do. It is not something out of the ordinary. As hosts, we are expected to treat our guests with the dignity and honor that we treat the greatest among us. And who is the greatest among us? Jesus Christ, our Lord. Regardless of who the guests might have been, Abraham cultivated a practice of hospitality. He prepared to welcome guests at any moment of the day. And he sets the precedent of feeding drinking and lodging and you see the Hebrew terminology for that we see through this introduction that Abraham possesses the language of preparedness he knows exactly what his guests will need and he goes above and beyond that by offering them food so Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah quick he said get three seals of the finest flour I need it and bake some bread then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and said these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. And in this observation of what hospitality looks like, or perhaps what it looked like for Abraham and Sarah and the three visitors, there is first of all an abundance of food. And there's also a tone of hustle to the words such as hurried, quick, ran. Abraham demonstrates the utmost reverence towards his divine guests by standing near them as they partake of the meal he has prepared. His actions are marked by sincerity. He goes above and beyond. And this sincerity is fundamental to our practice of hospitality, especially in light of the current pandemic events. Yes, we adapt our actions to meet social distancing measures, but ultimately the intentions of our actions should demonstrate a complete sincerity. I'm going to stop sharing right now. Sincerity towards another person, whether we're dropping off some food for them or scheduling a Zoom call. And here we arrive at the question, what does hospitality look like on an individual level in a time of distancing? As we have seen with uh, Abraham, hospitality requires that we meet the person where they are, not where we want them to be. And at this time, more than ever, meeting the other pertains to meeting their needs. As individuals, we meet, meet the needs of others through financial, emotional, or social physical support and you all can imagine what these look like and perhaps some of you have even experienced this sort of support uh, either at this time or at another time in your life financial support won't spend too much time but you all understand that this time has affected many uh, with circumstances beyond their control But let us consider ways in which we can lift the burden of certain expenses off their shoulders by simply covering those costs. But you know what that requires? That requires us knowing the person. So we're not just giving them things and saying, here, feed yourself. Here's some money. No, that's not what it's asking. It's asking to know the person and then to meet their needs. That is hospitality. That is relationship right, and with the missions conference coming up, it'll be good to consider some of those implications. The next opportunity to show hospitality is emotional and social support. We are all aware of the struggle that a lot of people, and maybe even us as individuals here today, that we are trying to combat the desperation of isolation that many face, both young and old. Just a few nights ago, I was devastated to learn from a friend that more people have committed suicide in this period than have died from the coronavirus. And this should send alerts to the mind and heart of the church. Where have we stopped listening to the voices of those around us who cry out for help? And how do we respond in loving kindness to encourage the brokenhearted, grieving, and lonely. It's so simple to send a text, give a call, write a note, schedule a Zoom conversation. Yes, it does take away from the real physical meeting, but the attentiveness part of it can mean the world to someone who is in need of this restorative hospitality. At this time. So I encourage you to think of some people. Get to know some people and get to know their needs and then meet them through communication. And the final example that I wanted to bring up this morning in meeting the physical needs of those in our lives. Many of you are not alone in this time. You are with family, you are with loved ones. And in youth group, some of our dear members often talk about the food they prepare for their families throughout the week. I am inspired by this vivid example of hospitality, which meets the physical nutritional needs of our loved ones. And yes, though it might not feel like it's formal or grand in any way, we're not like doing a huge feast, we're just preparing dinner. But preparing dinner and cleaning up afterwards. Do you see the parallel of those actions to the story of Abraham who prepared a feast and stood near his guests as they partook of the meal. In thinking about hospitality in this tumultuous time, we begin to understand a different connotation of this word. Not a different meaning, but a different connotation. I believe this is the blessing of the coronavirus season. Hard to say, but I do think that is what it is. Hospitality is not defined by the four walls of our home or our church or our gathering place. It is the active participation in the life of another or a group of others through communication. And as we have seen, it is the entertainment of the Holy One who is all present and communicating with one another and being aware of one another 's needs, we learn of each uh, we give of ourselves and we receive. But what is it that we receive? What do we gain from all of this giving even in a time of distance? This is where I 'm going to start sharing again. We gain life. <laughs> And in life, we gain grace through the life of Christ. Ephesians 4. But to each of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. If we believe that we have been given the gift of grace already as a result of our relationship with Christ, of our communion with Christ, through His um, sacrifice on the cross. He has invited us to be with him at the feast. Feast of, of the wedding. Whatever feast it is, it's going to be an abundant, ongoing feast. What are we doing with this gift of grace that we have received at this feast that is already to come? So time, space, they don't make any sense as they did not make sense in Genesis 18. We cannot comprehend. We must believe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We give We serve, we learn, we teach, we listen, ultimately we grow. And that is the language where it says they become mature through the knowledge of the Son of God. And that growth continues on. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by the every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. We are growing up in grace. Hard to understand, but it is the spirit that fills us and unites us. And if human life is characterized, physical human life is characterized by growing up, we are growing up a spiritual life through the gift of grace. We are growing in grace. And it is that grace that inspires us to love one another, serve one another, entertain one another, help one another, listen to one another, encourage one another. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. We are all responsible because we have all been granted grace. We have received. We must give. And in giving, we receive. And what is it that we give? It is our love towards one another. It is love that characterizes the relationship of the Trinity. For God so loved the world that he gave his son, his beloved son. The relationship of the Trinity equals God is love. And can we imagine what grace looks like physically? For the epilogue, let us return to the story in Genesis 18. Where is your wife Sarah? They asked him. There in the tent, Abraham said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And guess what? Three chapters later, Isaac is born. New life enters creation. A life that would be filled with grace. In giving to others, whether they are our friends, complete strangers, foreigners, we gain life in its fullness. So, dear brothers, sisters, friends, Let us not lose hope, but rather receive grace upon grace in order that we may love one another, demonstrating that love through the relationship of hospitality. And that is all I have for today. So let us bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, Thank you for the invitation that you have extended to each of us. And thank you for the invitation that stands for the community of believers that we are part of. Thank you that you do not count, consider the time, consider the quantity or the quality necessarily, but you consider the intention of the heart. And you have taught us to love one another. I pray when there are moments when we want to give up, when we are tired of giving our time, giving our energy, when it feels like we're just knocking against doors and not being, uh, that are not being opened, when we feel like giving up and losing hope, closing off and not participating. Admonish us in that moment, Lord, and speak to us through other people Or directly through your voice, maybe be attentive to it. And in a time when hospitality feels uh, irrelevant, may the home of Christ Church at Saratoga be a place of endless hospitality, abundant hospitality to the needs of the community to the needs of the families and individuals that represent your body of believers. Help us mature, help us grow, and not lose faith that this is how things should be at this time. As we continue our worship, may we be reflective, and may we be called to action. In your name I pray, amen. Amen. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Sister Soliya. Share a powerful message with Christ. Trinity, relationship, God's mercy, grace, push us to grow further. Build stronger relationship among us, among our community. Thank you. Thank you, Soliya. Let's have another uh, worship song led by... Okay, Rebecca, please. Broken Vessels, Amazing Grace. Thank you, Uncle Jerry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.